0: Obviously, I'm the problem here. Maybe <laughs> a 25 year old wog guy going to a meeting saying, I'm going to give you a big opening order. <laughs> Isn't the, is it, is it the strategy here? We're in the trenches every day, you know, head torch on, pickaxe in hand, trying to get as many brands as possible. If we argue and I tell you this thing, go get fucked, you're being a dickhead. <laughs> Sorry for swearing. If 20 minutes later, you want to get a coffee? Yeah, yeah, I'll get a coffee. <laughs>
1: Welcome to Add to Cart, the podcast that express delivers all you need to know in the fast-moving world of e-commerce. Every month, Nathan Bush from 12 High and an e-commerce industry expert will share the news, research and insights that you need to know to keep you at the top of your game. And of course, keep your customers adding to cart. Hello and welcome to Ad Descart. To My name is Nathan Bush, host of Ad Cart and director at e-commerce talent agency eSuite. Today's guest, he bought his business off his dad for twelve thousand dollars and is now doing over fifty million dollars a year in turnover. Anthony Napper is the founder and the managing director of Oz Hair and Beauty, along with his brother Guy. Anthony's turned the family salon into one of Australia's leading beauty and skincare retailers. In this conversation with Anthony, you're going to hear a little bit of rustling and fiddling. It's not me. It's the incredible energy of Anthony. This is a founder who's learned e-commerce from the ground up and after nine years still has so much enthusiasm and energy for the opportunity ahead. You can actually hear it come through the microphone. But what I also love is his extreme honesty and self-awareness. Throughout this chat, he gives shout-outs to the people who have helped him. He generously lifts the curtains on some of their most successful strategies and even gives his email address out at the end. What a brave man. If you're building an e-commerce brand, in beauty or otherwise, this is a must-listen. So let's get into it. Thanks to our partners, Shopify Plus and Signet, here's our conversation with Anthony Napper from Oz Hair and Beauty. Anthony Napper welcome to Add to Cart. Thank
0: you, Nathan. Thanks for having me.
1: So good to have you on. Now, before we get into it, say I met you in a hair salon and I went up to you and I said, Anthony, what do you do? How would you respond?
0: I would say I'm definitely not a hairdresser. (laughs) I wouldn't (laughs) I wouldn't, you know, I would definitely not trust me cutting your hair. (laughs) I am just a guy that sells hair and beauty products online.
1: Beautiful. How simple yeah, is that?
0: Pretty simple, yeah.
1: All right. We're going to get into your story today, which is a fascinating story. But Can I also just,
0: before we start, just congratulate you on the best podcast name ever, At The Car. Okay. Beautiful, simple. You know, everyone tries to do like the experience of this, this, At The Car, straight to the point. You've nailed it.
1: Thank you, mate. I went for the Nathan Bush experience, but um, wow. my producers told me no one had listened to it.
0: I don't blame him. I don't blame him, mate. That's the (laughs) car. Beautiful.
1: (laughs) Thank you, mate. And I think you've just made some of our um, highlight reels there, and we'll uh, flog that in advertising. Thank you. (laughs) Mate, tell us about your dad. What did he teach you, and how did he influence where you're at today?
0: My dad, obviously, he's taught me many, many lessons that you learn later because when he's teaching you at the time, you're like, shut up, dad. You know, it's just normal... (laughs) Father-son relationship. But one lesson, and I think the most important lesson he taught me was before I even finished high school, maybe the year I finished high school, we went away on a holiday, and I was just meeting him at a coffee shop. And I remember this so vividly, he just said, Son, you know, you're finishing school now, just remember, pay now, play later. So everything you do, make sure you just you pay now, you sacrifice now, and you pay later. And that there, that really stuck with me. I really took the ball there and and ran with that. And you know, first jobs, as soon as I finished school, started a job, two jobs and just saved, saved, saved and just had that mentality of let's just, you know, let's sacrifice now and for the fruit in the end, you know, that's, and it's to tell, you know, me and my brother, you know, live our life. Like I think that was the most important.
1: What made you take that advice though? Because I could imagine at an, as an 18-year-old, the inclination is to play. Oh. What made you stop and take that piece of advice? Because this is
0: before, you know, the hair and beauty, e-com was even a thought in my mind. My goal was, all right, I'm going to go to uni. I'm going to save as much money as possible. You know, I leave my parents. That's obviously an advantage. Save as much money as possible, work two jobs. When I finish my degree, hopefully I'll be able to buy a property, you know, little did I know, but you know, even if I did that back then with property prices now, it's probably still being possible. But um, but yeah, that was that's what the goal was. So having that mentality for like even a year and a half, I think it was a year and a half or you know, fourteen months, when this opportunity did come, I did have the money to invest in this new venture that the opportunity that came to me. Because I had I had that pay now, play later yeah.
1: mentality. Beautiful. So, tell us about that opportunity. What are you talking about when you say the opportunity?
0: So, I was working as a you know a labourer, and the labourer went away. So, you know, I had the waitering job, but you know that wasn't going to be enough. I wanted to buy property in three years on the weekends. So, my dad actually had a like an import business out of like a little warehouse, and he also tried, you know, dabbling into online. So while I was working at the import business, you know, helping him pack boxes and working for the company that was leasing the warehouse off him, he also, you know, I tried to help him with some website that he had. I had no knowledge of it, you know. And I found out for the grapevine that him and his two mates that started it, they, they gave it away and they just they wanted to close it down. And while I was working there, I was, I was thinking, you know, I'll do a bit of due diligence to say, you know, I've got this money here. Let me do a bit of DD, if you can call it DD. And
1: as I understand it, this isn't the only business your dad had at the time, though, is it?
0: Oh, this is on top of his, this was on top of his hair salons as well. Okay. She had hair salons as well. Yeah, yeah. Gotcha. And I looked at the business, I thought, you know what? They're going to close it down. Don't close it down. I'll give you everything I've got. I forget what it was, like $12,000, I think. I I can access all these products. They haven't even touched eBay. Let me just talk to my dad. And I convinced my dad to let me give them all the money. And that's how Aussie and Beauty started.
1: That's awesome. What did your dad say to you when you said to him, Dad, I've got $12,000 to give you for this business?
0: He said, mate, it costs us more than $12,000, but all right, we'll take it. (laughs) (laughs) Because he said, you know what, I was really like hungry and – it's probably going to cost them more to probably close it down and there was something to give. And to be honest, like, I didn't think it was going to be what it is today. I just wanted something as a hobby through uni to see what I can do with it. You know, I still like was working as a waiter. I was still working for them and working as a waiter and running that business. But then within two, three months, when I figured out, you know, with eBay and stuff, like the more I actually work and upload all these products and the more I answer, the more reward I get that's when i just went tunnel vision and let's go for it and just addicted addicted to the process Right.
1: some people will try and tell you that turning traditional plastic packaging tape into strong eco-friendly paper tape is impossible well not for our friends at signet in fact it's a simple and cost-effective way to reduce your plastic usage and create a more sustainable packing offering and it's available to everyone our partners at Signet have been helping leading retailers such as T2, Lush Cosmetics, and Mecca reduce their plastic usage and create a more sustainable supply chain with their range of eco-friendly packaging products. To get started today, visit signet.net.au and find out more. Tell me about those first few months you've you've handed over your life savings that you've worked really hard for through some shitty jobs. I'd, I'd assume there's lots of shitty hours in there to give you that twelve grand to put into the business. What did you do first? What
0: I did first was I knew I had access to all these products through the opportunity that I was given. You know, through my parents having hair salons. So it was, it was pretty much as simple as just getting them all on on eBay. Now, if I knew back then the technology that you could use to upload products straight away. I was, you know, I was all night uploading and then answering customer service and then packing boxes. And I'd drive to Westfield loading zones to pick up the boxes because I didn't want to pay for boxes. I was doing everything. Yeah. And then I remember it was, it was the, the first Christmas because back then it wasn't Black Friday. It was Christmas was the, the Black Friday yep. of today. I hired a friend who was at uni with me. He was my first employee. It was so inefficient. Like we'd, we'd, I'd hire him just to hang out. You know, we'd hang out, we'd drive yeah. around, pick up the products, and and that's how <laughs> I really, yeah, that's how like it, 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 really started just from from there. And the big change was like, so my brother over the years he'd help me during school holidays, and I remember saying to him when he first worked for me, it was like he was in year ten or year eleven. I gave him the same speech as my dad gave. Hmm. I said like. Look, when I finished school, I had, you know, zero dollars. You know, if you can pay now, play later. Save as much money as you can. You never know what's going to happen. You know, so when he finished school, he worked for me. We were probably like four or five people. He was one of them. He just organically took control of the warehouse that we had, little little back of the warehouse. He'd organize it and make it efficient. And you know, after a year, he came to me and said, "Look, I want to be, um, I want to be like partners with you." And, like, look, it wasn't worth heaps, but it was worth a little bit. I just didn't think that, you know, he had the capability. But then he goes, no, no, I've saved, you know, X amount of dollars, you know. you told me yeah. three years ago, pay now, play later. And that, I'm like, oh, all right, well, you know, he's ready to, to jump in the ring. And, and from there, we just clicked. And... That's how – that's the real beginning of Here and Beauty. Before yep. it was just, you know, now now we had an operation man <laughs> because me, me and him are so different. Like, he's, he, we complement each other so well. Yep. And that's when it really started. At that time, the lease that, that was renting – because we were at the back of the warehouse and we were bulging out of the back. And it was just perfect timing because the company that was in there, my dad parted ways with that company, so the lease ended and – Me and my brother took over the lease for the whole warehouse and that's when we started ramping up and really starting to get serious.
1: Gotcha. And tell me about the differences between you and your brother. How are you guys different?
0: So, we call each other, people call, I'm growth and stability. So, I make his job hard. (laughs) My brother is... He he walks to go get a coffee. He's got a system that he's got in, you know, probably written down how he does it. Like yeah. he's so he's so systemized. And
1: what do you do? You change your coffee order every day, do you?
0: I change my coffee order every day. I'm I'm all over the place. I'm I'm literally all over the place. But he's you know he's he's just very you know, different temperament, and that's why it works so well.
1: Mm. You see that a lot with e-commerce businesses that they've either invested too much in the growth mindset. Or the operational mindset and they kind of skew one way or the other they go too hard too early or they just play it too safe it's nice to have that balance between growth and stability isn't
0: it yeah I not only is it nice i think it's um fundamental like if it, i i remember like when i was stuck in my like cocoon office just growing 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 investing you know doubling down on the market initiatives that we're working if it wasn't for him really like coming to me and saying you need to stop and we need to get a new warehouse system. We need to organize the shelves better so we pick, pick things better. Like that just doesn't – it's just not my language. Yep. And if I didn't have that, you hear the stories all the time. You know, you just grow yourself broke and your customers would
1: would mm. get
0: upset and things wouldn't be efficient.
1: Is it fair to say that you drive revenue and he drives profit?
0: Yeah, it's fair. To, yeah, that's a fair, fair assumption. Look, we, we do both cross over and I do have mm. some ideas with operations and he has been contributing more to the to the growth as well, but just naturally that's how like it's just been. We never actually had that conversation of like <laughs> the operations. It's just how it's formed.
1: Yeah. Beautiful. Take us back to those eBay days. What did you learn from eBay? And do you think that you could have the same success with eBay today as what you did back then?
0: The biggest thing I, I think I learned from eBay and it was You only realize it now, but at the time, to differentiate yourself on eBay, you can price down to the bottom. That's just, that's that's not obviously a long term strategy. So, to differentiate ourselves, we have to have the best customer feedback. And that means even if the customer is totally wrong, you just bite the bullet and service them to the absolute best because you want that 100% feedback. And that mindset of, yes, that's okay, no problems, we're sorry, okay, Australia Post lost it, that's okay, we'll send you another one. (laughs) That mindset really has carried the way we treat our customers at Oz Hair and beauty. Just from doing it, you know, for for four or five years, day in, day out, train everyone, you know, like it's it's a GHD, $300, send them another one, bite the bullet.
1: (laughs) Grit the the teeth and get the Uh, five-star feedback.
0: Yeah. (laughs) You know, and like, if someone leaves bad feedback, you know, we send a revision and we say, look, come on, we apologize, take this on us. If you want to, you know, if you want to re- revise it, you're much appreciated. Just that mindset. and People will people love that because mm. the best way to actually win a customer, I think, is to make a mistake and rectify it quickly and, and they appreciate that because, you know, when someone's made a mistake or when someone's lost something or when... They could, they just expect that they're going to be up, up you know, an, up, an uphill battle, you know, a, a big uphill battle of red tape and mm. send me this. But we try and just do it quickly. And because we're so quick to, you know, spend marketing dollars on top of funnel, mid funnel, bottom funnel. This is, these customers are in the bucket now. This is not we're talking about funnels. You've got them in there. You might as well, you know, you might as well spend a bit of resources in making sure they're happy even though yeah. a mistake has happened.
1: Have you ever done the calculations on the cost to acquire a new customer versus keep some of those customers happy that you've already got, like what you've spent in terms of going above and beyond?
0: Look, we, we are starting to, like, you know, tag customers that we've we've done this with, tag customers that we make, make a call with, and then measure that. To say back then, that wasn't even a thought in my mind yeah. to do that. But really, that's, that's, that's the way how we've developed as a company now to like start tagging these customers on Shopify and then let's measure. Do they actually come back? But yeah, just beautiful. subconsciously, I feel like, you know, they would. Yeah.
1: But eBay, eBay ingrained that behavior in you because you can't survive on eBay without a five star rating,
0: right? No, you can't. Cause eBay, the algorithm puts you up if you're a hundred percent. And when you're selling other people's products, you got to differentiate yourself somehow.
1: Yeah just a question on those reviews you've got i think it was about sixty five thousand reviews on your website most of them glowing like I, I struggled to find any bad ones it's it's phenomenal and you really highlighted that which i think is fantastic especially for first-time visitors apart from giving exceptional customer service how do you encourage your customers to actually leave your feedback take the time to write the feedback
0: we use the platform um yopo shout out to yopo but they probably don't need the shout out. They're massive <laughs> there. Um, no, yeah. it's good.
1: The more specifics we can get, the better.
0: Yeah. So, Yopro, um, you know, we started with them probably four years ago. From what I believe, I'm on a pretty good deal with them. I think they just keep ramping their prices after every year. But I signed up with them, and then some places an order 10 days later, you know, you send a, like a follow up request. We used to give discounts. Now we don't give discounts. Then we test discounts. We just do different sort of things. Mm. And, you know, people, people are responding well to her.
1: Do you think there's anything specific in those follow-up emails that make people more inclined to to give you a review? Because I could imagine people that are buying through Oz Hair and Beauty probably buy a fair bit of stuff online and they're not going to leave a review for anyone. Is there anything that you've found encourages people to take that time?
0: Yeah, discounts yeah they discount, <laughs> yeah this discounts talk that like they do we don't want to keep doing a lot of discounts, but it'd be it'd, I'd be lying to say that discounts don't work when getting those reviews on your website. It's just how it is yeah. people are more inclined to do something when they have a vested interest in saving money,
1: yeah you call it discounting, but you could almost call it marketing investment, right yeah. because once you get those reviews, you can almost treat them like business assets then
0: hundred percent it's just it adds. To your conversion rate, you know, like end of the day, like we're in a competitive market, we're selling product A. If we have product, if our product A has 2,000 reviews and competitor product A has, you know, 500 reviews, you know, you're more likely going to go with us, all things being equal.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So let's talk cool. about growth and let's talk about. Where Oz Hair and Beauty and now we've kind of we've touched on the eBay side, how you've taken over from your dad, you've gone on eBay, you've launched your own store, and now from what I've read, the last I've read, you're on track for fifty million dollars worth of sales and you doubled your turnover last year. How has growth been for you in the last twelve months?
0: It's been good. <laughs> it's been it's <laughs> it's been good. Like I'm not gonna you know, dance yeah. You know. Tiptoe around it; it's been good, but not to say there hasn't been challenges. Um, but that's guy's problem; his stability. I'm not stability. <laughs> um, yeah. No, no In all honesty, in all in all honesty, like the, the toughest thing really is to, you know, you're growing, especially through COVID, and I think all e mm. e-commerce like it really tests your your resources, your capabilities. Like, how do we remain efficient? How you know we we're getting you know our organizational chart all right, we need to move things around here because you know we've gotta promote people like the the most rewarding like without sounding you know like like I'm talking bullshit like the actual most rewarding part of growing is promoting your people that have been with you I've had like my mate started working for me probably two years in when I was still on eBay as a just with me picking orders, packing orders, the back of our warehouse. You know, this year we've promoted him as head buyer. He's gone through the ranks and that's because we've got so busy and we need more than, you know, we need more than one buyer. We need someone to manage the buyers. And having someone that's been with you from the start to really be grown and propelled through the company, that's something
1: that's very rewarding. And when you say from the start, how many years has he been with you? So this is going to be my ninth year in business. He's been there for eight of them okay and do you find that the leadership team that you've got coming up with you are ones that have been there from the start or do you bring people in who have external expertise
0: some it's a it's a it's a mixture of both like we have a customer service manager and you know she's head of like people and culture too and you know she started just in customer service a couple years ago Mm. like just as a customer service um and she's grown with us. We had a, you know, a warehouse manager who manages now, you know, 20, 30 people. He started just as a, like a picker in a packer. So, but then there's also people that we've hired, you know, business development managers, senior web designers that we've just hired. So it's a, it's a mixture of both.
1: Has there been anything in COVID? That has surprised you obviously we've seen a huge uptick in beauty online last year across across the globe um has there been anything that really surprised you after COVID hit
0: yeah so obviously the first week i had no idea that we sold detergent and all these cleaning products i didn't have no idea that we sold them i realized the first day what top selling product detergent (laughs) so that's that was the first surprise the second surprise was, just I wouldn't say surprise. I did, I did, you know, without patting myself on the back, I did preempt that. Like candles, candles went really well. You know, we made, you know, luckily we made the the, the time and investment to get like brands like Glass House. Shout out the Glass House, great brand. They went really well. Skin masks, face masks, everything that you sit home and and can relax at home and unwind. Things like that mm-hmm. went really well. And obviously, like every time, Skomer would make an announcement every Tuesday. Mm. The next day, you know, it was like Black Friday again. So that was that was pleasantly surprising.
1: You can't imagine that we'll live through another time like that, right? No,
0: nah, like no. Nah. How? Like I think everyone's just like they're they're well armored now for it. They're well prepared for it. Yeah. But I do feel there's still more e-commerce growth out there. Mm. This this
1: just gave it a, a big push. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. And, and speaking of that push, do you have any home brands at all, or are you purely a retailer of other brands?
0: We are purely a retailer of other brands. Um, look, it is creating our own brand or acquiring other brands is something that it's on our um, roadmap. But it's it's a full time gig, really, just managing this yep. at the moment. And any and I feel like I've tried to buy other websites you know, from friends, like a technology website, phone cases. And it's not really like, you know, buy it, rinse and repeat. It's, it's a whole other business. And any time I take away or any time me and my brother take away from running this, we feel like that's a more of a cost than the gain we'd get from another business right now. I'm not saying in the next two, three years, but right now we're just trying to get this beast um, as big as possible or make it a beast.
1: That's a good sign, isn't yeah. it? If you think that there is a huge amount more growth and new ideas that you haven't even explored yet, that's a fantastic sign.
0: Yeah, I am quite confident there's more in the in, in the tank.
1: Fashion retailer Inku has been introducing customers to new international brands for nearly 20 years. With 10 retail stores, e-commerce has been a support player, but in the last year, it got really serious. They've upgraded from a custom site to Shopify, and now Shopify Plus. Inku sales have grown nearly 300% year-on-year. Shopify Plus features such as Launchpad for automation, Flow to manage nearly 2,000 SKUs, Scripts for customization, and Shopify Plus's merchant growth model have all had a compounding effect, Not only are sales up 300% year-on-year, conversion rates are up 80%, average session engagement up 91%, and bounce rate down 40%. Inku? More like in whoa. To read more of Inku's story and see other case studies, visit the customer sections on shopify.com.au forward slash plus. As a retailer of other brands, and we talked about the growth last year, and we've seen a lot of brands up their game um, in going direct to consumer, has that impacted your relationship with any of your brands that you retail?
0: It, look, it's definitely like a threat on our SWOT analysis, but it hasn't really impacted our relationships because if I was that brand, I'd be doing the same. Like, They can't really get angry or, or frustrated at something that you'd be doing if you were in their shoes. and You know, we have strong data. We do a lot of data, you know, surveys and stuff. And there's strong data that more people actually come to us to browse and to be recommended a product than to go for a specific product. Now, there is, you know, there is still a a large amount of people going for specific brands, but the data shows us that people want to go and be recommended a product. And then people that do go for a specific brand – the data shows that they also buy another brand. Mm. So they're, they're buying multi-brand. So we just got to keep proving that we are a destination for hair. And, you know, if, if you're not with us, you're missing out on the market. That's how we, you know, fight back. All to say fight back on the DTC, I'm not fighting back, but that's how we can remain relevant in the DTC mm. movement. And like, like I said, if I'm them, I'd be doing the same
1: of course. Yep. I heard you tell a great story on another podcast around your relationship with suppliers and how as a young guy going into some suppliers in the beauty and the hair space, you may not have got the instant credibility and you had to get some help or some people on board to help build those relationships. Can you tell us more about that?
0: Yeah, so the growth of our company, I think, has to be attributed to a lot of factors, but one of the factors is people saying no to us. Because every time they say no, we opt out. They say no and they give us reasons. So now nah, we're not supplying you. Your website's not prestigious enough. And so, all right, let's go rebrand. We'll do a rebrand. Go approach more brands. You know, maybe thirty percent or forty percent will say yes. Sixty percent will say no. Nah, we're not going to give you skin brands because. You know, you don't have a skin clinic. All right. Let's go get a skin clinic. Let's, let's do that. Get a skin clinic. And then I go in. Nah, we are still not going to supply. I'm like, all right. Well, obviously I'm the problem here. Maybe, <laughs> you know, a 25 year old what guy going to a meeting saying, I'm going to give you a big opening order. <laughs> is, it the, is it, is it, isn't the strategy here? So, um, what I thought was, I'm not a good salesman. I don't think I'm a good salesman. Naturally, you know, I'm an e-commerce guy behind the computer. I feel like I'm great at that, in growing e-com, knowing about all the you know, paid search, Facebook ads, all that analytic stuff. So, I have a good I have a good relationships with my sales reps that we do business with. And one of them we're chatting about, how I can't get skin brands and it's very hard. And she couldn't believe it because she knows, you know, how good our business was because she serviced us. So we ended up doing a deal where, on a contract basis, look, I'll go in, I'll represent you, I'll sell you. Let's get a really polished deck of selling us here in beauty. I'll go in the meetings and whatever, work it out on a contract basis. From the five brands, that said no. She literally got all five of them. Wow! And I'm like. It was definitely me. It was, it was definitely me. It just proves that it was me, you know? So once, um, once I found that out, we hired a full-time business development manager because there's a number of, we got heaps of brands to go. Like we're, we're, we're in the trenches every day, you know, head torch on, pickaxe in hand, trying to get as many brands as possible. So yeah, so we hired a full-time and that's what part of the role is. Yeah
1: brilliant how personally how did that feel when you saw her go in and convert those brands straight away
0: you know what like i joke about it like oh damn it it was me i was so proud that i realized that it was like you know it's like a tactic you know what let's get this tactic like a chess piece let put it like without it's not a chess piece it's- Great lady. Shout out to Katrina. But um, it just, it was so rewarding knowing that the strategy that we put in place, because we worked hard on it too, me and her, mm-hmm. you know, it wasn't like, it was a lot of time and she was really into it. So when it worked out, it was just like, you know, when you win a deal, it's like high five. in yeah. and- yeah, I was a jockey at the time, but yeah,
1: you took it as a victory, not a not a uh, slur on yourself, and a
0: slur, yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah.
1: yeah. It, take, it takes great great um, awareness to be able to step back, like for you being in the trenches, but also managing the business. It takes great awareness to be able to step back and, you know, identify that problem.
0: Hundred percent, and that's you say that, and it's good because I feel like a lot of business owners, business partners, like maybe could get a bit maybe envious of each other like he's doing this and I'm not doing that and like that me my brother it's complete opposite like I love when he does something that I can't do and he proves himself that I can't do that it just it gives like a not a tear to my eye but like it's so fulfilling to know that our partnership is so well where I can't do that but he comes in and looks after it and then vice versa he can't do that and I go in and look after it it's just that's it's a secret to our I think a healthy business partnership to just mm. remove all ego and really, when someone wins,
1: everyone wins. Yeah. Did you always get along as brothers, like, or is it the business that kind of really brought you together in terms of having one goal?
0: I think. Yeah, I think we didn't not get along. No. Like we probably brothers. To, brothers
1: are brothers, kind of thing. Brother,
0: brothers are brothers. Um, but this is definitely, you know. Even this, even our other brother, he works in the business too. He's starting like dim inside above the collar. And it definitely does propel the relationship. I think yeah. the best thing about having a brother as a business partner, if we argue and I tell you this thing, go get fucked. you are being mm. a dickhead. <laughs> Sorry for swearing. You yeah. know, like if 20 minutes later, you know, you want to get a coffee? Yeah, I'll yeah, we'll get a coffee. You know, yeah, if you said that to other business partners, you know, there's. There's lawyers involved. There's, yeah, you know, you know, it, that's that's the beauty of a family business. You're gonna have to you see know?
1: him at Christmas anyway.
0: Yeah, exactly. And like even dinner tables, even with our parents too, some arguments that happen. You think this is it. We've got to start the business tomorrow. <laughs> gonna... yeah. But then the next day, it's sweet Yeah, because everyone knows.
1: Oh, we've had a fair few brother-sister combinations from the guys who run Hagen's Organics to uh, Mr. Pullman, and we had Jess and Steph, Steph Dadden from Tubes last week. And it's a very common theme is that when it works, it works so well and especially when the siblings have totally different personalities and focus areas. Yeah, 100%. Yeah. Cool. Now, I'm going to focus in on something that I know you're very good at. I was had lunch with my wife today and I said, hey, I'm interviewing Anthony from Oz Hair and Beauty. What do you know? And she's like, all I know is that whenever I do a search for what I'm looking for, they are always on top of the search results. Always. That's how I know them. Tell us about your search strategy or at least what you can tell us about your search strategy.
0: Look, I, yeah, I'm happy to... There's no secret with, you know, search strategy. It's Google AdWords is definitely a big part in it. Well, people go on Bing, but how much people really on Bing? Look, when I realized, so, so we'll bring it back to eBay. When I was on eBay and I was, you know, more, I have a, an e-commerce mentor, one of my best friends, father, Carl Pappas, shout out to Caution Co. He owns a, like a flower, fake flower business. Cool. Um, and homeware and stuff. We had a meeting and I told him about, you know, how successful, you know, eBay is. And he said to me, he's like, you know, it's great, but you're at the mercy of eBay. You know, 90% of your sales at eBay, people don't know you for here in beauty. They know you for the products you sell. So he put me in touch with my first digital agency, Quasi Studios, shout out to them. And we had a meeting and this is, I had no clue about SEO, Google AdWords, no clue at all. I was doing Google AdWords, but myself and I wasn't really tracking it properly. And we had a meeting, we went on Shopify, put our old custom website on Shopify, and we had a strategy with Google AdWords shopping. They'd come back first month and say, you've got to return an AdWord of 16. Well, wow, that's pretty good. Let's chip up. So from two grand to four grand to eight grand. Now today we're spending you know 300,000 plus a month wow. on AdWords. For me to tell you I know the secret to it, not I, don't, I can't i be lying, but what I can tell you is whatever works, double down on that because mm. it's not always going to work. Like our our return on ad spend isn't that much now. I wish it was, but when you get a when you get a good return, put it all put all the eggs in that basket. And that's what we did and we continue to do and you know our new a new agency sparrow who are great, run by two brothers, um, Cameron and Morris. Shout out to them. They, we're just continuing. We're, we're measuring, and whatever works, we put more in. Whatever doesn't work, we pull out, and that's how
1: we do it. Anything that you found recently that really works in search or things that you've ditched in search that previously worked that aren't returning for you? Yeah, so
0: things, obviously, retargeting is works. That's you know, the magic one, yep.
1: retargeting. When that when that works, you know, we go double down on that. You're talking there for people who may not have been retargeting before. That's people who have been to your website previously and are up and putting in search terms into Google that are very close or or around your area.
0: Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. People with the, you know, the I think it's called the intent to buy. Hmm. You know, Google. Yeah, if you put more money on that, Google will show those results to those people. What doesn't work? Some brands don't work. Unfortunately, I don't mention the brands, but if some brands giving you a terrible return, you just cut that brand out you know, if it's if someone's got a for someone with a their own brand if some category or some line's not working just cut that out and just put the money on
1: the stuff that works mm. and converts and are you measuring based on last click attribution or are you or do you have a fancy attribution model in play yeah
0: so we look at google analytics and we look at google ads and we look at what's sparrow have their own custom one we look at both what we definitely don't look at is Facebook attribution. Oh, really? Because they if you if going on Facebook, you know, Facebook, um, if you took Facebook's word of truth, you should be putting your whole house on Facebook ads. The way they attribute, you know. They sometimes I look at Facebook and I've had meetings with sparrow, like, it's saying we've got like a 30 return on ad spend. Like, let's be putting more money on that. And that explain to me that. It's like 28-day, yeah. you know, if you, see, if you saw the ad within 28 like So you, it, that's a whole other probably topic of conversation, attribution. But, you know, we try and use the most conservative ones as possible just to be safe.
1: And it's probably more important that you have uh, a consistent baseline than getting it perfect, right?
0: Yeah, exactly. Exactly.
1: Yeah, cool. What about social? And I know you're big on Insta and you, and you spend a, a, or at least you've got a great presence there. have you experimented with anything new in social recently
0: what we so what we've done is we've um influencers that's like oh yeah well everyone does that um but when i first did an influencer i remember it was two years ago and i watched some like gary gary v video he's like you should be doing influencers so i did this myself so i did an influencer i was so excited
1: you're so pumped up after watching gary v
0: yeah, so it's Gary Vee, like, work, like, 2am, uh, just for the sake of the story, it was 2am, yeah. Cr- crushing it. Crushing it. And, um, I organized an influencer, just out of thin air, and we did it, paid her the, the money, and it went terribly wrong. It was like an influencer that one was, it was like she was a Times Square billboard, just all the ads she was doing. The day the story had like twenty stories, and I was like in the middle of one of the stories, and I realised that she might be a lot of followers, but they're probably guys looking at her, yep. looking at her for other reasons than what she cares about beauty product. Mm-hmm. The money I spent on that, I may as well got that money and just throw it off my balcony.
1: Are you talking a lot of money?
0: Yeah, for eight thousand dollars.
1: Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: A lot. Yep. At least if I threw eight thousand dollars off my balcony, maybe some would, you know, fly back in. I would have got some money back. Yeah. <laughs> that was that was that was my first experience of influencers. Now we, you know, now I've got someone like a PR and social media manager who just knows how to do it good. Hmm. You know. Now we test influencers, the ones that work, we lock them in as ambassadors. We do joint competitions with them. You know, so you can get more followers if they both shine out a competition, making sure we get content out of them so we can use that content, you know, not just throwing yeah. money at them to post something because
1: how, you know, it's not going to work. So it's people who actually have a personality and stand for something because they'll, they'll attract more than just the superficial kind of followers. Yeah, yeah,
0: exactly. When I did it, it was all superficial and it didn't work.
1: Yeah, nice. That's really good tips. Tell me about your technology. Are there any e-commerce tools or technology that have been critical in your success and growth that you would never start a business without again?
0: This is probably an obvious one: Shopify Plus. Mm-hmm. If you call that a technology, like that, really changed our yep. our business massively.
1: What are you finding about Plus that you're not getting with regular Shopify?
0: I think the checkout um, plain is the checkout. Yeah, that's one thing that you know, you can't do and can't customize with, with normal mm. Shopify and you can't really go too custom with normal Shopify. And if you have the turnover to justify plus, you've got to go on plus because yeah. it does work out cheaper, really, if you, if you can break that level of turnover. I think, you know, a great CRM system, we with Amasis. Amasis probably is a bit, it's not for small websites. You know, Klaviyo is still fantastic, but Amasis gives us that personalization yeah, you know that we can put on our website too and on our CRM. You know, I would I wouldn't start with our CRM system and then Yopo for reviews. Yeah, nice. You need reviews. You need you need user generated content. Yeah, great. Or else your conversion rates is not going to be there.
1: Beautiful. They're three really great tips for people to check out. One thing that I noticed is that you've got Prezi in there as an exit tool. I met the the founders of Prezi late last year, and they're great guys. And great guys. I think it's really interesting what they've done. And for anyone who hasn't seen it, basically they allow you to do basically go through a bit of a journey. Click customers can click on different items. So if you're buying a TV, for example, or use TV for example. Are you looking for small, medium, large? Click whatever. Are you looking for this brand, this brand, this brand? Click. And then eventually it'll narrow down to a list of products. How are you using Prezi? So, yeah. So, I remember
0: I mentioned earlier that data shows that people want to go to our website to browse, not just to go for the brand they want. So, yes, we do, if I don't say so myself, we do have a good guiding shopping experience even without Prezi. But Prezi's one really is. It's for guided shopping. Like it is the thing for guided shopping. And after seeing that data, having, after having a co- couple of conversations with the guys, Michael and Quoc, I think they are. Shout out to them. Great, great guys. You know, it just made sense. And the, the exit tool is something that without knowing exactly how it's converting, it's, it's going well. Like our conversion rate has improved slightly, which is, you know, every, every bit counts and people use it and people are liking it. Yeah, nice. And you can re- and you can recommend the products that you want to recommend too. Yeah, you know, so that's that's the good thing too.
1: Yeah, I I think the thing that hit home for me when they were explaining it to me and they were like, "We come as close as you can to having a physical salesperson there to guide people yeah. to the right product."
0: Yeah, hundred percent. Yeah, nice. But you know what? I've, another thing we actually had a meeting with my, our senior web developer today. Our chat converts, I think. Two and a half percent more than the average conversion rate of our website. So people on our web chat that interact with our web chat convert two and a half times more than people that don't use the um the web chat. So it's just it just shows that the old school way of someone in the shop, how can I help you? Even though it's like it's it's a digital experience with Prezi or the chat box, people still want that, Mm. and you need to provide some sort of service. That can deliver that, either if either with Prezi or a chat box.
1: Are you literally talking chatbots or are you talking as as a customer service tool with real people on the other side?
0: No, so chat, it's like a chat box, so actual customer service. Yeah, cool, cool. And we could actually break down which, you know, which customer service representative is converting the most. So Awesome. I realized that yeah, a couple of hours ago, so it's really good to dig in and see what we can.
1: Do with that. That's cool. And how do you approach customer service there? Do you approach it as answer the problem or do you also treat your customer service team as salespeople as well?
0: Look, at the moment, it's not, it is sales, but indirectly, they're, they're salespeople. Like there's no like incentives as of yet, but that is something, even hearing that data a couple of hours ago, seeing that you can track mm. who is converting the most, it does make sense to let's, it's like a salesperson on the floor in a retail shop. It provides something.
1: Yeah, yeah, it nice. just makes
0: sense. I, yeah.
1: I see it. I think Accent Group did a whole big piece around that and around how they see their customer service team not as problem always problem solvers, but as kind of um, they get on the front foot and help people out as like store assistance would be. And I think it's a really great way of thinking about it as not just the people who speak to customers when they're having a shit time.
0: Yeah, exactly, yeah. yeah. It's better for the morale as well, yeah.
1: That's it. Absolutely. Yeah. Oh, it could be a horrible job if you're just answer, answering problems all day. Yeah. Can we talk just a little bit around the beauty industry at the moment because it feels like there's a lot of investment going on at the moment from, you know, the boom that we saw with Kylie Cosmetics and her being named uh, what's the, the youngest billionaire through to Adore Beauty going public uh, late last year. Do you think the growth is sustainable in online beauty like we've seen over the last 12 months?
0: I sure hope so. <laughs> <laughs> I, I hope so. Fuck. <laughs> <laughs> the evaluation figures that some of these companies are getting. Yeah. Look, do, look. I'm not I don't, I'm not a big like share guy, or finance guy. I understand the basics of it. Hmm. Look, as long as there's a demand, as long as more people are using these beauty sites and we're coming on Adore Beauty coming on Mecca, coming to our website. If, if the online market is growing to match, you know, the increase in value it's getting on the share market or the value that people are buying them for, then it's sustainable. Yeah. Do I know that's going to be the case? I don't know. That's mm. the. It seems like the six hundred million dollar question, <laughs> or whatever valuations they're getting. Yeah.
1: But I think, like you said before, what you said is, you know, you kind of, you can see the growth opportunity internally, you've got ideas, you still, you can see a hell of a lot of runway still. So that just makes it exciting regardless of what's happening outside of you, right?
0: Yeah, exactly. Like, as long as our sales keep growing, you can be a little bit distracted. What we find is when you hear these evaluations and you hear, you know, it really distracts you from... The main thing and why they actually even talk to you in the in the first place because mm. you run your business well. So, any every conversation you have, that leads you for thought, which then takes away memory of your brain. Then what you really you really got to be thinking on your business, yep. and let that come later. If, yep. Yeah.
1: Has your dad tried to buy buy back his business yet?
0: <laughs> <laughs> no, it's look, we're uh, we've got the salons now, so we're all you know it's all one business now. Ah. Yes. My brother and our parents there. Yeah. It's a all family business.
1: Beautiful, and that brings me to my yeah, next yeah. question: is is what is next for Oz Hair and Beauty? What can you reveal that's coming next for you guys?
0: Our next thing is really sharpen our brand pencil. Really get our like okay, we are branding. I do like our branding, but really want to sharpen our brand pencil, sharpen our brand voice, and really get that awareness up. Not enough people know about us. Our conversion rate, without mentioning what it is is very high. So if I can get more people knowing about us and more people on our website, I think that we really can get a good return on investment on a great brand awareness and well-executed brand awareness strategy than the average e-commerce website due to how good our conversion rate is. So we want to become more famous over the next one to two years. Nice. Yeah. As Aussie and beauty, not us personally, but Aussie and beauty. want to get that brand out there.
1: Yeah. It's, um, it's almost the opposite of what a lot of the direct-to-consumer brands are at the moment. They come out, burst out of the gates with the big, beautiful brands, and they look really big and really successful, but they actually haven't got the fundamentals right.
0: Yeah, exactly. We want, we want to do it the other way, and I think yeah. the other way is more effective, yeah.
1: Nice. Anthony, thank you for being so open, and um, some great tips in there. You've been really specific, which is it really helps people that might be a few stages behind you or even having the same problem, so thank you for that. How can people get in touch with you or your team at Oz Hair and Beauty?
0: You can email me at um, anthony at ozhairandbeauty.com. Andy's A-N-D, uh, my LinkedIn, Anthony Napa. I get a lot of DMs, but I still reply to all of them. So you can get me there. You're a good man. And yeah, that's pretty much it.
1: Beautiful. Thank you so much for joining us on Add to Cart.
0: No worries. Thanks, Nathan. Thanks for having me.
1: That story of Anthony continually facing barriers when trying to onboard new brands really stood out for me, not just for the laugh, but also for the lesson. As he said, he rebranded, he improved the website and he even opened salons before realizing the easiest path through was actually getting out of the way. That level of self-awareness and the celebration when he worked out that he was the problem is an incredible skill and it's well worth thinking about. Is there anything in your business where you are actually the blocker and you need to get out of the way. If you can't think of any, maybe you need to ask some people close to you. There's always areas where we can bring in other people to help. To finish up, I have three resources for you. Firstly, if you're a first-time listener of Add to Cart and you want to stay up to date with new episodes, head over to addtocart.com.au and you can sign up for our weekly newsletter. We'll let you know every time a new episode drops, as well as giving you my three takeaways from each episode and a link to the transcripts so you can know that this is an episode that you want to dive straight into. Secondly, if you want a weekly roundup of the best e-commerce case studies, tools, and research, sign up to the High Five Friday newsletter, which is delivered to inboxes at 8 a.m. every Friday morning. I read all the e-commerce news and send you the bits that I think you can take action from. Sign up at 12high12high.com.au forward slash high five. And the last thing, if you are looking to explore your next e-commerce opportunity, head over to au. We are a dedicated e-commerce talent agency connecting the best e-commerce talent with the fastest growing brands. Check it out Sign up to the email and get in touch with me if you want to discuss your next move. Until next time, thanks for listening and keep those customers adding to cart.